episode 47, August 7th, 2022. Rochelle? I'm hearing body, mind, and spirit. Wow. How enthusiastic is that? <clears throat> Let me drink a little bit more wine. Hold okay, on. Okay, there you go. Wait. You don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. And guess what we both have? <laughs> COVID. Again. So that's what's taken us so long. We're sorry we had to take a little bit of a hiatus because the kiddo got the COVID. And then Rochelle got the COVID. And now I have the COVID. But I don't really feel like... I feel kind of sick. But it's kind of like... Poor Rochelle was sick for two days and just feeling like dog shit and i uh, i'm like yeah um i got the covid and that's how it was when i got covid the first time it's my second time getting it and i am vaccinated and it's boosted actually your third time yeah when did i get it the second time the when you got it the first time you got we our whole household had alpha in april of 2020 before anyone knew what the hell was going on there were no tests. There was no nothing. Um, you don't remember oh, it. You think the first time we got it was when we were in Colorado. Correct. Now, yeah, because my sister was out for like three solid weeks. She couldn't move. You slept. You don't ever sleep. Like you cannot sleep naturally. And you were taking like long naps. Saturdays and Sundays, you were coming home and sleeping before dinner. Like you had the fatigue. You had the irritability. But we didn't have any other symptoms. I... None of us, we slept, but we didn't have anything else. Um, but if you hear us hacking and coughing in the middle of the episode, that's why, because we're both, we're both sick, so it's, it's okay. We're trying not to be. Um, yeah, I got it really, actually, when we had it almost a year ago to the day. It's like, it's like eight days in between this year to last year. Um, I think... For us, that was Delta we had, and it was kind of a longer, drawn-out, two-week experience. Like, the whole 14 days, I felt like crap, but I didn't have any particularly bad days. And then this time, I had um, probably 50, 56 hours or so of just living hell. So, I was like, this was... I was just grateful to drive myself to urgent care on the third day of that, because I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't have even driven in the two days prior yeah so let's get into the meat of the show we always like to welcome everyone back to you don't sound autistic ydsa um we'd like to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform so you can be notified of the newest episodes when they're released make sure to join the facebook group join the group join the conversation the facebook group is of course you don't sound autistic ydsa we also like to welcome our listeners from all different countries and all over the united states and to the new people that have joined the Facebook group. To those that have left the group, go fuck yourself. <laughs> we don't have a lot of people leave. Sometimes people leave. That's okay. But that's they okay. won't hear this because they're not listening, right? That's okay. Well, every if we're not, we're not someone's cup of tea, that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes people don't like tea. <laughs> Bunch of weirdos. Normally I drink tea at night, but to get through this, I'm drinking coffee. All right. I got straight up and coffee. And wine. Well, yeah. 
Yeah, I so, deserve just, wine. Yeah, it's uh, why not? Wine not. <laughs> um, and then uh, we also have a website now, uh, you don't sound autistic dot com, where you can find uh different episode show notes, links to reference materials in the show, in the shop. We also have some things for sale. So yeah, we're trying to make some money at this. Uh just to and I mean, we figure we might as well if we're gonna be reading and going through all these different things. So be an uh an Amazon affiliate and whatnot. And we want to be transparent about that. So in case you do go to buy something, you know that you you're know, just if helping anything, us you're keep the lights helping on. us keep the lights on so that we yeah. can actually run the podcast because right now we're doing it all out of pocket. 100% out of, out of pocket. But I'm also um, a licensed practitioner with multiple uh, nutrition-based companies. I have been for almost, uh, I don't even know now, 15, 20 years. Um, it's been part of my, my day job for most of my adult life. And I have not added most of those products in the shop yet. They're affiliate-ish you know, commission-based products as well. But they, but I'm only adding much like the resources you'll find in our shop. It, it's not that we're just going out and finding anything we think that that you'll want or need. It's that the actual products and books and learning that we've used in our journey that we discussed during our podcast episodes. So is every episode up on the website? No, not yet, because I have this dream of what a perfect post would look like, a per- perfect episode looks like, and I haven't had the brain power to do that times all of our episodes, but um, it is always a work in progress. Always keep checking back. I'm always adding. There's also an ask us. Um, there's ask us links throughout the site and there's places to submit reviews or testimonials, um, questions. You can submit topics to the show and um, we encourage you to do so and just you know know that if you do, we might actually... I reference it back in an episode. So, and then um, for our new listeners, Rochelle has her spiel, mm. the new listener spiel. I sure do. Somewhere. Come on, Rochelle, get with it. I know. Something happened on my Samsung notes. So now all my new notes are at the bottom. That's annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> or maybe I did it. Operator error. You Don't Sound Autistic is a mental and emotional health awareness podcast. Each week we do our best to represent both neuro perspectives and talk about the continual discovery process of life on the spectrum. Our goal is to illuminate, uncover, and transparently discuss life with multi-diagnosis through a multi-generational neurodivergent lens. We follow an open, unscripted, conversational format that represents the real-life back-and-forth of communication and collaboration. Even if you aren't raising the next generation, you'll find the comparison of the age groups helpful in seeing the more hidden patterns in the DNA of your lifestyle and lineage. And I add that little note in there because we know not all of you are parents, but for those of you that are parents, the likelihood that you're also raising a neurodivergent child is incredibly high. Uh, right. But but because most of the research continues to come out that is painting this picture of epigenetics and, and um, generational impact on how neurodiversity has grown to become the staggering numbers that it is right now and, and continues to suggest that it will, uh, I think it's like one in 46 children at this point in time will have autism and in less than 10 years it'll be one in 20. So it is proving come to the dark side (laughs) it's just it's it's generational it's epigenetic it means what is epigenetics means um 
I know I use that word, but do you you have a rough idea of what it means, though, right? When yeah. I say epigenetics? No. What? Oh, really? Nope. You use words all the time. I have no idea what you're saying. I just smile and nod, look cute. Oh, sorry. Epigenetics is the study of how our genes change due to um, its environmental factors. So that could be stress. It could be diet. It can be trauma. Um, it can be generational trauma, generational um, impact. So our there was a belief like we held about brain cells a long time ago. We said, oh, the brain... Man, it actually goes back to the brain skull. We used to say the brain um, cells don't change and the skull bones are fixed. They're fused like nothing ever moves. And we couldn't have been more wrong because everything in nature moves and everything in nature changes and it reproduces, you know, and it, it goes through its cycles. And so nothing is fixed. Are the genes you are born with are not fixed. You can experience events that turn genes on and off. It's called gene expression. So the study isn't of, gene expression like a fart. I've had a few of those. <laughs> that's a gastric expression. No, I but think. when you're wearing jeans, it's not. Okay, well Levi would. Yes, you're right. Little gene expression after dinner. <laughs> sure. Sorry. But our genes can be turned on and off. This has actually been taken into a, a really um, sh- uh, uh, word recall. Man, uh, for a second, I thought you were getting really excited. I know. Uh, I had a whole thought uh, right there, and I was like, I just lost it. So because of COVID, actually, the concept of how our genes can be easily turned on and off by something even as simple as a virus is now front and center in media. That's what I was trying to say, because the sense of smell and taste has been so widely um, observed as being for in some people forever changed after having COVID the long haul. Um, Right. And those are actual your gene receptors that have that have changed. They don't turn back on. And if they do turn back on, they don't all turn back on correctly because our genes can get damaged. A virus is an example of an environmental toxin. Environmental factor. Okay. Um, I was just going to go into the thing that we've been talking about that we haven't talked about. We do have something we've been brewing yeah. for a while. Um, do you want to start us off with that? Right. So <clears throat> we are really happy to introduce that we are working with an author, um, let me pull all the details up here so I can not rely on word recall. But we've been work- working with author Dawn M. Barclay, and uh, it's exciting because she's written a book called Traveling Differently. Sorry. <laughs> That's my dyslexia. Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. And Dawn came to us at a very interesting moment in time um, because we were literally just discussing how to travel to California and I was absolutely opposed to it. And I think we even had a full on battle about it in a previous episode. We did. And then and Dawn, I lost. <laughs> well, Dawn reached out to us and, and shared us shared her book with us. And we are actually going to be interviewing her on a future um episode here hopefully in, in the month of august because i think this book we is I think going it, it looks like it comes out on the 15th 
Yeah, of this month, right? Like in a few days? Yes. So t- August 15th, 2022, Traveling Perfect. Different coming out. And I'll put a link to that. Um, so you can just go to the episode on the website and you'll find the book. But the, you can get pre-sales. I think they're taking pre-orders for the book. But she wrote the book to help families like ours tackle travel, which I've done with Declan and it could, it's an absolute nightmare. And I, you know, this is a beautiful book, the way she's written it. A lot of different. Um, I wish I had my notes, but I can't because the notes are really for when we actually do the interview and we're right. having her on the show. So we'll, that'll be interesting because we'll be doing that over like a Zoom call or something. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to figure that out. But it'll be a little bit different. The hope is to actually use that as a video to put on YouTube. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. So she's broken well it into a, parts. an episode. Um, and I like how she's, you know, really diving through like every family deserves to travel because we absolutely do. But she's also um, really set the stage for how to prepare for travel, uh, the different modes of travel, what to do once you've arrived, um, destinations and special interests, and then resources and assistance. And so it's um, it's an exciting topic and one that we actually really need because we're still in the moving process where we'll be utilizing this book in real life to help us move um, in the next couple of months. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, from I, I've been reading the book and uh, I don't want to give too much away, but you know, there's a lot of really good strategies in there for, you know, finding ways to, um, f- you know, finding ways to figure out like, what food are we going to eat if we take our kid to some other country and Mm -hmm. something as simple as like trying to include your child in the planning process. So, and, and also like one of the things that I learned by reading the book was, um, and actually from the book and then also just a separate research for myself, which was to find books about travel, right? Children's books. And so I bought like a Peppa Pig book, for Declan and he actually wanted to have me read it to him last night. It's super. Yeah. Because, um, we have the thing, if I had to break down the easiest way to explain the way our minds work specifically, you know, more Blake's your, cause autism plays a role in this more so than for me, but for you and Declan, you have what I would consider an expectation based reality. Okay. What do you mean? Because we have expectations? Yeah, you build your ability to plan for the future based on expectations. What do you What do you do? Something very different. I think if I explained what I do, I might terrify the hell out of you. All right, well, don't explain it. Then. I'm I'm much more of a... I operate based on my feelings. I thought we weren't going to do this. <laughs> and so you're scaring I, me. You're an expectation-based reality. I'm a feeling-based reality. So the thing about an expectation based reality is that you need images. That's my coffee pot. Okay. Because. That's annoying. It's done. That is not a very sensitive sound. It's a very sensitive sound when you're in the other half of the. I'll also say that microwave inventors are not sensitive to autistic people because it is one of the most annoying fucking sounds in the world. That it, Agreed. It beeps and beeps and beeps until Agreed. I run up. Can't it just beep once? Why? Could, but maybe it could just go beep. It could be like a sexy woman going, hey, Blake. <laughs> beep. 
Yeah, but what are you going to do? Because when you forget, when the ADHD comes in and you've forgotten 20 I'll minutes later. I'll hear her. Blake, I said beep. Well, yeah, if it could be like that, that'd be great, but... Want me to turn on? Anyways, you have an ex. So there you go. Actually proving my point. You have an expectation based reality because that loud noise is intrusive and it it interferes with your expectations of silence and control of the auditory environment. It throws you off. So having a visual of something like you're preparing for is a big deal. Like the very first time I think we talked about this last Christmas when Declan was going to go sit on Santa's lap and he had no frame of reference for sitting on Santa's lap during daycare and we weren't going to be there to help him. Remember that? Uh, vaguely. Well, and then I pulled out the U- I pulled out the YouTube. <laughs> you do sound old. <laughs> I pulled up the YouTube and uh, typed on the buttons. My ability to integrate thoughts tonight is definitely sluggish. But I you pulled got COVID up- brain. I do. Um... And I've been taking a ton of my methylated B complex, but it just, there's just, you need so much to keep up with COVID. Um, I showed him that video of other kids sitting on Santa's lap and he did really well when it came time because otherwise, you know, he's never seen Santa. He would, it would have been an instant meltdown around. He didn't notice it wasn't the same guy. (laughs) He didn't really care at that point. I pulled up three or four videos. So he saw any guy in a beard and a red coat. He's like, all right, I'll sit on your lap. Yeah. It's just the concept of it. So I think her strategy is about, you know, anything you can do to visually prepare. And there's a lot of transitions in traveling that you don't think about. So if you have, um, you almost have to build up. Like, how do you build in transition tolerance um, do you know what I mean when I say transition tolerance? I don't know. The ability to tolerate transitions. Yeah. So what are some things that you've noticed? Like if you're not feeling, or how do I say it differently? So do you notice your transition tolerance changes? Uh, maybe. Like there are times when you transition no problem. Like you can pivot yeah. through things. And then there's times where you can't. It depends. I actually do a lot better when it's, Something really hectic, but I think that's like an ADHD thing, more okay. than an autism thing. You know, like when if if there's an emergency, then like a but like a, a switch is flipped. Oh, in my brain! You have a fight or flight dominant brain. You okay? You sounded very therapist right there. Well, because it was a therapeutic, it was a psychiatrist who told this to me. You have a um, you have a fight or flight dominant brain. Which means that you have parts of your brain that were formed. You were in, you, it means that you were under a lot of fight or flight trauma when you were a child and your brain was developing. Because when you are in crisis mode, active crisis mode around you, your brain is actually calmer. Okay. Which means when it's quieter and calm in your part, no, that's, that might actually be contributing to some of your anxiety and depression because you've got a very calm and quiet contained apartment now when he's not there with you. And it probably like rings all your trauma bells because your brain is going to be more triggered and misfiring in terms of fight or flight. You are going to perceive more threats. You're going to feel worse. You're going to process less. When you're in a calm environment. Maybe that's one of the reasons I don't love living by myself. That might be why. I ne- I didn't know that till just now. Well, thanks for noticing. Well, we're talking about it. We are talking about it. Because 
And you, I remember you saying that to my mom. You're like, I'm really good in a crisis and Rochelle's really not and I'm not. Um, but that makes sense because you have a fight or flight dominant brain. So yeah, the, the crazier chaotic. Do you have more of a fart and fornicate brain? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I have a tired brain. <laughs> I have, right. I have mom brain. I have, um, my, you know, I have, I have a neurodivergent child brain, which means I haven't slept in years. I think that's the only good thing about COVID is I get to catch up on sleep. But you know, um, you can't catch up on sleep. You can't just sleep all day, every day, and then be like, oh, I finally got that sleep I needed. No, they've done well. You can't ever catch up in a lifetime, but you can catch up in the short term. They've done a lot of research on sleep. Who's they? Researchers. <laughs> and that book will not be on the uh, Amazon affiliate <laughs> list. Actually, from no. the re- from the researchers that brought you the research. You're funny. When I when I do um, cite specific research sources, I include them. I like notate them or footnote them in the episode post on the website. So if okay. I anything I cite, you can go back to. I just have to build all the posts. Right. But it okay. is it is there. So. Um, yeah, you're we, funny. we. You not only do you have to listen to us talk. Now you have to read. But you know that the way I write those posts, it's not verbatim. I, I can't do a transcript of the back and forth of us. It's a little too challenging. So instead, I'll pick the topic header for the section of whatever we're discussing, and I'll timestamp it. And then I'll, um, um, I, you know, I use other words or I add additional information. So the reading the post is a completely separate experience from listening to the episode. Uh, on the podcast you almost need both for a complete experience so it's a companion to the podcast it is okay it's a companion experience all right well if you need a companion check right. out our website you don't sound autistic.com <laughs> that's right um, and go to the podcast tab that's where all this stuff is li- and there's a whole bunch of stuff in there though but the these are specifically on the podcast tab um i wanted to talk about something are we good to move on yeah i mean i'm gonna I got my stuff. I can hold it in my head. Okay. Uh, I was going to talk about, because I had my meeting with my doctor. Oh, please, yes. And uh, they're going to adjust my medication. She is going to adjust my medication. Okay. And uh, I haven't, they haven't done it yet. Why do you keep saying they? I'm so used to using the proper pronouns. I'm calling everyone they. Mm. Um, Wait, she still hasn't done it? No, she. I don't think she can because of the particular medication. Oh, she has to wait she for the next cycle. She has to wait till the next cycle so that I can use the, the lower medication. So yeah. annoying. Because it's a schedule one narcotic or schedule two narcotic or... Yeah, I get it. Whatever it is. It's like up there with like meth. So you just have to suffer. But you know what I'm proud yeah. of your psychiatrist for is that um, <coughs> she's willing to make at least one, sometimes two changes to your medication each time you see her. And not all psychiatrists will do that with every visit because they kind of, you know, like they want to take. Well, they want to make sure that they know the medication changes are making a difference and which medication changes are making a difference. Right. So they know. Yeah, but she's been willing to accept six weeks at a time as a baseline and then make a moderation, like moderate it at that point so that you're not... Because otherwise you're suffering for three months in a row. You can't do anything. I mean, that's, right. that just doesn't work well. And and is she changing out? What is she changing out? 
if you don't mind. I mean, um, you only I'm, share what you're comfortable with. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, uh, the ADHD medication that I'm taking is going down by 30%. Okay. Um, and is that a stimulant? Yeah. Okay. And then um, the Abilify I'm taking uh, was increased to 10 milligrams, and now it's going back to 5. Because okay. that's supposed to help with the depression, and I was like, I don't feel any different on it. And so she's like, well, there's no point in you taking more of a medication if it's not making a positive impact. I agree. Is it Bilify? So. Is, that, is that messing with serotonin? I don't remember what it I does. I couldn't tell you which medications do what. Okay. I'm not, I'm not that... I, I, once once I learn all that stuff, I'm just like, all right, cool, I got it, trust you. Mm. But she was saying that with the uh, with the stimulant, that once that's reduced, that over the course of uh, a couple of weeks, that I might be feeling more tired, more depressed, and more irritable. But she said, you know, mostly just more feeling more tired. So to be on the lookout for that, because the whole point of the reason that we're making the adjustments is that I don't feel like my personality is. I don't feel like I haven't felt like myself in, as Rochelle would say, in years. Mm-hmm. It's true. So she said that after a couple of weeks, those changes might occur as far as the tiredness, the depression increasing and irritability, but then that should subside and then I should be able to see my personality coming back because she said that the most likely culprit for the uh, personality, uh, the feeling of my personality being different would be the the ADHD medication, which in this case is Focalin. Okay, that's right. I can, I, and that's a newer one for you, right? Um, it's <clears throat> basically a derivative of the methylphenidate. It's dexmethylphenidate. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the well, good thing about the dexmethylphenidate is it's way cheaper. <coughs> oh, that than is the regular methylphenidate. That's a big deal. I mean, it's like eighty percent less expensive. Wow. Without insurance. Dang. I mean, that's a really big deal. So, um, and then there's a couple other notes I have, and then we can go into what you want to talk about. Go ahead. So, uh, one thing I was, I was talking to my psychiatrist this week, or this was really like two weeks ago or a week ago or something, because I got some stuff saved up from, you know, we were supposed to do two episodes in the time that, that we're now doing one. Um, we would have done another episode at this point. So I was talking to her, and she asked me some simple questions. And one question she asks when we meet is if I'm ex- able to experience joy in my life. And she asks me this every time. Um, are you ex- able to experience joy in the things that you normally find joy in? Hmm. And I said, sometimes. And I was just thinking, I was like, how sad is that? And I'm already depressed. And then I realized when she asked me that question, just what depression means. Right. It's a life without joy. Right. And she asked... When I experience jo- when I experience joy, and I said when I'm successful with making a song, or when I make someone laugh, or when I please someone, and never did I once think about pleasing myself just for the sake of pleasing myself. Even though when I was a teenager, especially I pleased myself all the time, <laughs> several times a day. But I digress. So, Rochelle, do you experience joy in your life? I do, but I. Not, I mean, it, it depends on, I don't always have things in my life that I'm, you know, that are bringing me new joy because I, I have a very routine part of my, I have to keep so much of my life structured in order to facilitate Declan's day that for me that can decrease my joy. So I have to, 
I'm, I have a gratitude practice where I intentionally go around because I want my brain to know that there are things that we're joyful for, even if new experiences aren't necessarily happening. So my gratitude practice, I do it five days, uh, five days, I do it five minutes every morning um, and twice at night for five to 10 minutes a piece where I walk around and I just look at the things like I'm grateful sometimes just for my four walls. I'm just grateful for my own house. I'm grateful for like being able to, I've never been able to live by myself before, like in my entire adult life. So that's an experience I've been very grateful for. And I'm grateful for full control over my kitchen. And I'm grateful for my book. I have a big collection of books. I I have a real big problem when it comes to books. Um, I can't stop buying and reading books. So I love my book collection and just you know, constantly going through and finding this like, wow, I really love this day planner. Look at all these things. And the more I express gratitude for the things I already have in my life, then a couple of things happen. One, the better I use the things I have in my life. And two, the less I'm prompted to go out and buy more stuff. Like I, it really helped me stop my spending because I used to buy more things than I could utilize. But when I started just being appreciative for all the things I really have that I, that I'm already using. I'm like, wow, this actually dropped my bill um, by a lot because I was feeling that gratification just by being grateful for what I have. And that's how I conjure. That's how I experience joy for the most part in my life outside of the moments with, you know, the relationships I have. Okay. Let's see. What else did my therapist ask me? Um, she asked me very basic questions. How are you feeling? What's going on with you? Are you experiencing joy? How are you sleeping? Yeah, sleep. It feels like these are like the cores of mental health questions. Does she ask you about your digestion? If she'd ask no. you about your digestion, I would I would gold star this doctor. How are you shitting? No, well, okay. Believe it or not, it's directly tied to mental health. Your your how, digestion. Okay. Yeah. If and in fact, if you had to boil down all the different things that are symptomatic in in a neurodivergent life, if you can master sleep and digestion, if you just work on those improving those two things, first of all, you can't improve one without the other, which is why I pair them. But sleep and digestion improvements in those two areas can make the biggest difference um, in mental health. Biologically. Is anyone out there sleep shitting? <laughs> Dude, what's the name of the guy? You wake that- up and you're just like, man, I slept so nice and I took the nicest dump. No, that's not how it works. I felt so refreshed after I washed my sheets. Oh, man. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Okay. But if you do wake up well, if you sleep. While you're, you're going to the bathroom? Here's the thing. If you don't sleep well. Like have a full night's sleep where your system goes through all of its detox processes and you're sleeping during the hours the organs need you to be asleep through, you know, so like not two o'clock in the morning to 7 a.m. That's a shitty night of sleep. Pardon that French, but. Oh, you mean pardon the pun. Pardon the pun. Yeah. But you need to be asleep. You know, there's certain hours where your sleep is maximized and partly because digestion is one of those um, processes in the body that we're supposed to be. Um, just waking up for so like the stomach goes through its detox cycle between 7 and 9 a.m 
So if you haven't been asleep through all the previous cycles, you, you don't, you, I'm convinced that we don't, based on what I'm reading and learning, that we're not creating all the digestive enzymes we need for the next day. So if you didn't sleep well, your stomach didn't go through its cycle, you're not going to have enough digestive enzymes to process the food for the day that you just woke up for. All right. Um, I still have a little bit more to keep, read. Keep going. Okay. I just, you know me, I add in. I know, you just keep talking. What kind yeah. of podcast is this? I'm currently on a journey to fix my medication. That's good. Right now I feel fixed. Okay. Mm. What do I mean by that? I feel like a robot, a lackluster, emotionless robot who feels little to no joy in their life. Yeah. Even at my worst before taking medication, I at least could laugh about being somber. But now I'm just this joyless blob searching for something to do that, well, why bother if it's not bringing me joy? I agree. I just saw a meme. I'm trying to get back to it. But who's the name of the actor that plays Neo? Keanu Reeves. Thank you. Keanu Reeves. Um, Sad Keanu. I was going to say ne- Neo John. I was going to say John Wick, but is that the same guy? Uh, that is both the same Keanu. Thank you. Keanu just was quoted. Not in this Keanu. Keanu. What did I say? You said Keanu. What is it? It's Keanu with a U at the end. Okay, good. What he said. He was quoted as saying, "Let most people think they have depression, but in reality it's because we're depressed by the reality we live in. What? I'm trying to find it so I can quote him. Yeah. He's basically saying like it's not so much about, <coughs> and it is, I mean, I do believe it's neurobiochemical depression but it's also because we're living in a world we're living in a reality that is just we just it's just so not supportive it's not you know we're still we still have a long way to go to change the momentum and shift the feeling like you just said you're living in a life without joy but you quantified joy as when you do something productive I feel like I feel gratified in those moments when I like, you know, if I make someone laugh, then I feel good. Yeah, that's always been. But the act of just being funny, if someone's not laughing, isn't gratifying to me. But that means you're constantly giving your power away to someone until they laugh. Like, how do you find joy in a moment that doesn't require a response from someone else? I don't know. That's a good question. I'm still trying to figure that out. Did you feel gratitude or a sense of accomplishment today when you were playing the ukulele? No. But you were in a playing mood? Just felt like playing. So did it feel good to play? I guess so. I don't know. Did you... Not as much as like when I play and Declan gets all into it and wants to dance. Yeah, because then there's momentum. He adds that like extra energy to it and it kind of feeds the moment. Yeah, otherwise I'm just sitting there like rehearsing for something that I'm never going to do. But it's not about production. It's a, So here's, here's a big thing. We've been trained to assign value to everything that we do. So we have to produce. We have to perform. Everything's performance-based. Everything's sales numbers. Everything's like, did you make the connection? Did you do this? Did you do that? It's all do, do, do. How do you be... How do you be better? Like no one cares about who you are or the quality of yourself as a person as long as you're performing, which means you could be the biggest dick in the company 
as long as you're high performing, they think you're doing great. But in reality, you could be, you know, like a really subpar human in terms of um, your integrity and your humanity and your overall, you know, personality. So we really have this incorrect value assessment placed on everything in life. And, it, and it's one of the biggest conversations I'm watching shift in the last really since the shutdown in 2020. So the, everyone is asking this question of why do you get to determine my value and why is my value based only on my performance? No different than a conversation between, you know, a neurotypical and a, and a neurodivergent where you feel like you have to have a mask on because you're not accepted for who you be. You're only accepted for what you do. So you Who learned. you be. Ah, thank you. Who you be. How often do you feel accepted for who you are? Regardless of what you do, whether you wear the perfect mask and say the perfect things and pretend to be the perfect employee or the perfect, you know, social partner in that moment, there's a difference between valuing who, what you do and valuing who you be. Who you be sounds like inappropriate, not inappropriate, like sounds like in improper english i know but i do it on purpose because if i say the words to you who you are your brain the, the phrase who you are has automatically already been hijacked by all the programming we've been through in the last god knows how many years to say that who you are who 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 are you blake let me ask you a question. I'm not going to answer that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I'm going to ask you a question. Like, pretend I'm a stranger. Hey, Blake. Um, you know, I'm I'm so and so. How are you? What do you do? What do I do? How often is that? The hey, what do you do? Well, I mean, when people ask you what you do, usually you tell them about your job. Right. They don't ask you. Hey, how are you? Even when they say how are you, what do you, what are your answers? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm great. And then they go, great. What do you do? I work. So right off the bat, all these conversations about joy and life satisfaction are geared. I mean, they are anchored into well, productivity. I, I was reading something and it said something about like <clears throat> people will always ask you how you're doing. Oh, you know what it was? I don't know if it's falsely attributed to him, but it was like something from like Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, again, online, I read it. So take it with a grain of salt as to the source. But it was saying something akin to um, people will walk up to you and ask you what you do for a living or how you're doing, but no one ever asks, are you happy? Yeah, it's the same sentiment. Um, and are you happy is a totally different context of it. It's a more specific context. How you? So I've learned to say like versus how you what you do versus how you be because how you be could be high integrity. How you be could be thoughtful and considerate. How you be could be full of gratitude. You could be optimistic. Who you be could be, you could be in that moment. You could be, you know, I'm a little timid and, and scared. You know, those are, those are feelings. Those are um, qualities of who we are. And they're part of the experience that we go through every day that we shut down because it's not valued. It's not rewarded. We're not paid on our ability to express our emotions but we're only paid on our ability to produce what whatever it is we do and so it's created this false sense of value and 
even if I were to say, how are you? The first thing you're going to say is, well, I'm fine or I'm not fine. But the next question in your brain is like, because you didn't do anything. You just said it. You know, I, I didn't enjoy my ukulele because I'm not going to do anything with it. It's never no one's ever going to hear it. I'm never going to go on stage like you can't even enjoy playing it because you're not going to go do something big with it. You don't think. So you can't even intrinsically separate out. I always wanted to be a nude ukist. What have you done to get there? I've been nude. Yeah. With the uke. Don't touch my uke, by the way. <laughs> I won't now. I won't, but I didn't know you had that dream. Is that a real dream or are you being? No. Funny? I always thought it would be fun to do stand-up comedy, but, you know, because there's some comedians that use music in their comedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you did. write like a parody. Yeah, you, you know, said that. Of some songs and stuff. But then, and you're picking a ukulele. That's brave. Why is that? Why is it brave? You need a guitar. Why? Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. No, it, it'll be part of my thing. Okay. I'll be the guy with the ukulele, like Jeff Dunham has puppets. Nude? You no, I'll need have a guitar. No, I'll have clothes on. Oh, oh thank you. I appreciate oh, that. Then, okay, if you're if you're dressed, you <clears throat> could use a ukulele. Maybe if I'm really nude, then I need an oboe. <laughs> no, you need a guitar. All right. I just oboe just sounds long. It it well that's true but I don't even know what an oboe is what is an oboe <laughs> it's a it's a wind instrument oh. very complex wind instrument oboe let's see my brother used to play it it's one of the hardest ones oh I spelled it wrong but do you see what I'm saying like if you got to a place where oh, you yeah. could you're right I do need a guitar yeah you need a guitar um, if you got to a place where you could just sit and play your ukulele just for the sheer satisfaction of hey I taught myself this instrument and I can sing. And I'm playing this music on my time and no one can stop me. And that's joyful. Then that's a hobby of yours that should be able to bring you back that joy. Because you don't have to go do anything with it for it to produce that joy. Once again, you're waiting for someone else to give you that accolade. You got to be able to give that to yourself. Okay. It's not easy to do, especially if we go back to the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago from childhood emotional neglect, because we were taught that we were not, if you're, if you're an emotionally neglected household and if you have a fight or flight dominant brain, you definitely, you know, um, had challenges here that we are waiting for someone else to be calm or to go to sleep or be okay before we can be okay. So inadvertently they've taken our ability to feel safe. Now it doesn't mean you can't get it back because you can, but it, it starts with awareness. So once you start realizing that you're always giving your power away and someone else has to tell you that it, it's okay, that you're loved and someone else has to tell you that you're safe or someone else has to create the environment for you to feel loved and saved, that's how you know that you're still trapped in that old young mindset, which happens when the child version of you didn't get the nurturing it needed, and now you're an adult, and it's almost your adult responsibility to go back and be the parent to your younger self that no one was for you. That's deep. I'm, yeah. You're like Deepak Chopra with, <laughs> with boobs. Uh, yeah. Which I'm going to call you Double Deepak from now on. 
I've been studying this a lot because I've been deeply, deeply hurt by an emotionally neglectful There were parent. two deeplies in there, double deeply. Well, I, both parents actually, but more so one over the other. Because another one of my parents I was really close with and we only had moments of this. But another one, I, I had much, much deeper wounds that expanded 25 years of my life. So I've, uh, and I've realized that um, there's times my sister will tell me, she goes, oh my gosh, Rochelle, you have way more anxiety than you realize. And I'm like, okay, but I, I don't, like I, I have so much respect for anxiety and I've been studying a lot of it and I have moments of anxiety, but I don't have anxiety. Like that's, my brain really functions on optimism. I really feel my way through things. I get what I call prolonged panic. And my prolonged panic can go for days. You mean pee-pee? No. <laughs> yeah. Like when all of a sudden... So I'm calling it pee-pee. One thing after another would start to crumble again. Like this pattern of that, you know, the, the when things just start to click out of place. And it can take me two weeks to figure out Declan's depressed. Or something would click out of place for you. And it would take me like, oh God, here it comes. The wall's falling down again. What is happening? And so I go into a prolonged panic trying to figure out the root cause of what's happening and how to fix it. Um, and I'm acknowledging how much of my trigger comes from the fact that I didn't feel for a long time like I could even develop a gratitude practice until I could, you know, get my own place and be in control of my own house and lock the doors and, and then go, okay, this is now fully mine. Okay. Because otherwise, you know, I was in the same place you were, waiting for someone else to tell me that I was important or that, you know, I was valuable or that I was going to do something good. That I was, you know, legit providing helpful therapy and providing helpful resources to people. And it's not just Dr. Mom, like you'd always like to throw at me. You do get some doctor mom moments, though. You know what? Mothers with neurodivergent children, we are expected to be a little bit like that because we're the ones that have to talk doctor to the doctors and help them help our kids. And it's a tough language to mediate. So, All right. Wasn't there something else you wanted to mention on this episode? You know, um, speaking of doctor mom and how complex it can be to live in this world of... Um, neurodiversity we you know I was talking to you earlier about epigenetics and um, is this in relation to the person that messaged us on the um, I'm getting there I'm just saying yeah no we had I'm really excited I got a um, someone reached out to us today through the website and um, to a listener and he said I was really excited so I'm just gonna read I'm going to try and pair. I can't read really well. My code's screwing up my eyes. So what's, what is code? COVID. Yeah. Oh, my, COVID. COVID. Like my, oh, you said my code. I was like, what code? No, my vision is just blurry. Things are really, so I don't want to uh, mess this up, but a listener, um, reached out named Mark and I love what he said. And he said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know about a development for me this week. Um, my, my med doctor ordered, um, genetic testing for me 
due to the fact that um, he's had some severe overreactions to medications, mostly antidepressants, which I've heard a lot of. Um, now, here's what I did not know, and I'm super grateful, Mark, that you reached out because this is amazing. He, I do know about the gene mutation for 5-MTHFR, the B vitamins. We've talked about it before under the, I think it's the episode, COVID is a mother. Um, one of the early ones. Right. But he says there are also genetic mutations and abnormalities for other issues, um, including SSRI and SNRI, which you are used to moderate, um, ah, I have to paraphrase. SSRI is serotonin. Okay. Um, and S, I don't know what SNRI, but the serotonin uptake and, you know, we hear a lot about serotonin drugs and I talked last episode about how they're starting to try and really dig deep and debunk whether it's solely serotonin that contributes to depression or not. Right. But I did not know that you could have a gene mutation that could basically, let me see if, um, render the medications either negative or um, ineffective. Just like with the, if you have the 5-MTH gene mutation, I can eat all the B vitamins I want in my food, but unless I'm eating methylated versions or taking a methylated supplement, I'm not actually absorbing any of those B vitamins. And we talked about this the other day. Will you please when I say briefly, I mean like in two sentences, explain what methylated means. Okay, well, yes. Um, uh, was that all from, was his name Mark? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, and, and so he mentioned that, that um, the 5-MTHFR, which I'm, I'm going to make a Rochelle prediction. I could be wrong. I know I will not be right about everything I say out there, but I do firmly believe that methylation... And the B vitamins specifically are going to be linked to many of the neurodiverse conditions because methylation is, let me see if I can give you, um, it's a biochemical process in the body um, that helps to regulate the activity of the cardiovascular, neurological, reproductive, and detox systems. That's what methylation is? Mm Mm-hmm. I thought you said that it was almost like pre-digestion, or at least that's what I said. It was like the idea of like if you take a medication or if you take a supplement, your body doesn't necessarily always um, absorb it properly. So if it's methylated, then it's like pre-absorbing. It's doing something so that your body is actually able to absorb it better. But not from a digestion absorption standpoint, like digestive enzymes. This is like a biochemical because... The B vitamins are considered, B vitamins do a ton of things. They, they're massively important in creating um, multiple aspects of the biochemistry in the body. But if you need a methylate, like if you have this gene mutation like I do and Declan has, um, then we don't have the bio, our genes don't turn on and do what it's supposed to do. So the biochemical process when we absorb those B vitamins is kicked into place. So it's not pre-digesting the B vitamins. It's methylation takes care of the biochemical process that our genes aren't turned on to do. To take that B vitamin and split it off into the cofactors to go become neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine and um, melatonin, 
to sleep and uh, norepinephrine. Those are, and the, the great screenwriter. So, um, B, joke, so B vitamins are huge. And if you're not getting enough, like I had to take methylated B vitamins just to get pregnant. And then they said, Oh, you don't need them now that you're pregnant. And I was like, I don't believe you. So I took them through the whole pregnancy and I'm glad I did because you have to continue to supplement your child like during pregnancy with B vitamins to, to build that brain. And then they have to continue to take B vitamins throughout the whole life. And, um, we all do every, every one of us does. And I notice on days I don't get my, my B vitamins. I have a much harder time falling asleep because my body's not making its melatonin naturally. Okay. Well, you learn something different every day when you talk to Rochelle, that's for <laughs> sure. I, you know, you didn't like my Nora Ephron joke. I didn't get it, actually. She's a screenwriter. Who? Nora Ephron, motherfucker. Oh, I thought you were... Okay, sorry. You said Nora Ephron or something. Gotcha. So I said Nora Ephron. Uh, typically, DNA methylation turns genes off, while demyelothelation... Turns genes on. What was that word again? I can't. I'm. <clears throat> Typically, DNA methylation turns genes off. This is going to be tough for my brain. While D um, methylation turns genes on. DNA methylation is an example of epigenetics. That is, changes in the physical structure of DNA caused by your behaviors, including nutrition, lifestyle, etc or environment, which can be passed down from parent to child. The pivotal and fascinating process of DNA methylation is relevant to life and health from early development to immunity, memory formation, and more. All right. Any of those sound like things you struggle with throughout the day? What are they again? (laughs) Memory formation, I just already forgot. Early development, immunity... Memory formation, um, histamine production, by the way. So My histamines are great. Well, his and mine are not. We're crap. Like our allergies go off at the slightest thing and we're not even allergic to anything. And it's and it's not. And I don't actually have allergies to something specific. It's that I have an oversensitive histamine system because my my B vitamins. I have this methylation issue. So anyways, thank you um, for Mark to reaching out through the website. That was really awesome to get today. And I absolutely did not know about the SSRI and the SNRI gene testing, but now I'm really curious to find out if we can get that done for you. Oh, for me? Yeah, because it might make a big, going back to your whole conversation, you said you're on a journey to figure out your medication. And at this point, it's a guessing game based on how you respond every six weeks. What if there were genetic testing that we could do that could help you narrow down which types of medications would be better for your specific genes? That's what he's suggesting. Right. No, I understand that. I think it's 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 a good it's a good thought. Yeah, I'm 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 so grateful that came through. I did not know that. Now I want to know what else there's gene testing for. <laughs> yeah. There's a doctor out there. Ah, uh, her name starts. I can't remember. It's a three-letter name. Maybe Amy. Annie, I don't remember, but she has um, three neurotypical children, but she, her research has pinpointed 
this 5-MTHFR gene mutation as a cornerstone in autism, like linking the gene. If you have the gene mutation and you're not methylating your B vitamins, then your brain, um, you know, because we know it's a neurodevelopmental condition, autism, um, that it's directly linked to this gene mutation because it means mom didn't give you enough Bs and more than likely because it's genetically passed. So eventually enough lines in the family, enough branches in the tree have babies without enough B vitamins and it's going to start messing up the brain because the B vitamins are so absolutely critical to brain You're development. You're saying I have a messed up brain, Rochelle? I think I already have one. Have you listened to me? <laughs> I do. I think you have a messed up brain. My I, brain's just fine. I think I just, I, I struggle with word recall. Like I struggle with a lot of things. I've struggled. I mean, we know I struggle with math. I struggle with, I struggle a lot. I may not be autistic, but it doesn't mean you're not fucking whacked. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good that's a good stopping point for me to move on to news minute. Nice. Which is outdated <laughs> because uh, yeah, I wrote this a week ago. Fair point. So if you hear me say this week. It was really last week, uh, and it's really only one thing that I have. Robots were in the news with this what? week. Oh, damn, I'm going to start that over again. <clears throat> Robots were in the news this week. That's right. A chess-playing robot broke a boy's finger during a chess tournament in Moscow this week. High fives to everyone because Russia sucks. Just kidding, because we have a Russian listener. They're, they're, I didn't. Oh, I was wow. joking about the Russia sucks thing, by the way. No, I know. I just didn't know they had competitions going on during the war. I guess so. Well, yeah, they're not in war in Russia. Oh, sorry. That's a, yeah. CNN thought. reports on the topic, and Sergey Lazarev says a, uh, <clears throat> should I do this with a Russian accent? Oh, please. You're, yeah. A robot broke child's finger. This is, of course, bad. Which is probably the most Russian thing this guy could have said. <laughs> the scariest part of the story, and I quote, Robot did not like such a rush. Because what happened is basically the kid put his hand out. Too and the fast. robot, yeah, and the robot like reacted. So the kid created a fight or flight response in the robot? He grabbed boy's index finger and squeezed hard. Bystander rushed to help and pulled out finger of young player. But fracture could not be avoided. <laughs> Oh, so the robot didn't like it. That's the part that I thought was scary. So we're living in the future now when our chess playing robots are breaking kids fingers like a mafia enforcer. But it just so we're not only. okay. so I I have um, you're short circuiting my brain. Hold on. Let me finish. In a cast, the boy finished playing in the tournament. Moscow Chess Open took place in the Russian capital from July 13th to the 21st. So that's how outdated I am because it was a week or so. Oh, July. Yeah. yeah, July. Hey, but you know what? I mean, that shows something about us as a as a human, I don't know, as a people that we are st we're programming our AI to defend itself above all. Like we haven't even considered, we haven't even built in some sort of, that's just, I don't know how to say it. That's like fight or flight response in a robot. That's amazing. That's, what, that's not amazing. That's scary. It's, I'm, I'm being, what's the word? Yeah, I'm terrified right now, actually. Okay, there you go. Facetious, what's the word? No, 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 I don't know if it's facetious, is it? I don't know. I don't know if I don't know, remember the definition. I'm um, asking the dictionary here. Oh, I'm hardly a dictionary anymore. Um, that's all I got for News Minute. Pop Minute! Um, this is a little bit of news pop, I okay. would say. Quidditch. 
Yes, the game. Am I saying that right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't get too excited. Oh. The game from the Harry Potter novels and movie franchise is cutting ties with the name due to its connection to J.K. Rowling. What? The game will now be called Quadball, which sounds like something I left in the toilet earlier. <laughs> if you're a little confused, don't be. Let me explain. People get dressed up in quote-unquote athletic clothing, carrying brooms and playing Quidditch, a.k.a. quad ball, in leagues around the country and even the world. How do they fly? <sighs> because of the anti-transgender remarks from J.K. Rowling, people in the sport have demanded a name change. Wow. Let's also not forget the name Quidditch is a trademark owned by Warner Brothers. Right. So it's probably not a bad idea to change it so they don't get sued. Agreed. Plus, Since its yeah. founding in 2005, the sport is played in 40 countries with nearly 600 teams. Wow. That's a lot of virgins. <laughs> and no, they don't fly, you dumbass. <laughs> they Who run goes ar- after the seeker? They run around on a field. Right. What about the seeker? The little golden I think, ball. The f- I, I think it's like a person dressed in gold like runs out on the field every couple of minutes. I'm going to have to look someone into chases this. Someone chases it. They did it in that uh, that movie. What was that movie with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson? The uh, Internship? Don't you remember mm. that movie? Where they, they work yeah. at Google? Yeah. I think that they play You're right. Quidditch. You're right. You're right. I don't blame Sorry, them. Sorry. They play quad ball. Quad ball. I don't I don't blame them for wanting a name change and separation. I I'm a I'm a fan of the Harry Potter world, but I I have sorry. I um I was I agree with them. I'm immediately turned off by her comments. And I have not been willing to um read any of her new books or anything to do with her since then. All right. Okay. I mean, one more know. one more thing. Did you hear about the um, at WNBA basketball player that the weed thing? That yeah, she's got nine nine years in prison in Russia. Yeah, because she had weed on her. Is that what it was? I didn't know which drug I it was. That's, I thought that's what it was. Wow, I didn't know it was that. Yeah. Um, that, that's my understanding. Nine years. Yeah. Breaking fingers and jailing basketball players. That's right, and playing quad ball, and not mm. to mention. Uh, Finally, for a pop minute this week, I thought this was interesting. And again, this is not now it's like old news. Um, But Disney Plus released their first three R-rated flicks on the platform. Did they really? Yep. The three R-rated films in question are Deadpool, Deadpool 2, and Logan, the R-rated Wolverine movie we all deserved. Oh, wow. So Disney encourages their subscribers to revisit their parental control settings (laughs) in order to, quote, ensure a viewing experience most suitable for them and their family, end quote. So yeah, Disney Plus now has some R-rated content. Doesn't do me any good, though, as I already own all three movies, but I think it's a nice step in the right direction for Disney. Let's us know they're going to be doing a decent job, hopefully, with Deadpool 3 and other R-rated fare that, let's face it, needs to be R-rated and can't be candy-coated for a younger audience. I agree. They're just not those types of movies. And apparently that movie Prey that just came out is going to be on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if that was true or not. I, I don't know about that movie. It's a Predator sequel because I, think, oh, it's, I yeah. think it's owned by Fox. Oh, Prey, P-R-E-Y. Yeah. Yeah, I won't be seeing that. I don't even like the... I don't I've been even... watching it. It's actually pretty good. No, no. It's no. based in the 1700s. Okay. And it's uh, like a group of Native Americans. I thought you said, I, when you said Prey, I was like, P-R-A-Y. I'm visioning an entirely different movie. No, P-R-E-Y. Okay. Um, as in the prey, you know, of a predator. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but it's based in the 1700s and it's a group of specifically this one uh young woman um is like basically the schwarzenegger of the of the movie okay and she but the it's like it's during like the i feel like it's like during the french indian war or something like that okay because there's a bunch of like people speak I, I swear like they don't have subtitles and i'm like are they are they all speaking french because they're not speaking english but you're watching it at home you can put the captions on you know yeah. what? i've taught you how to do it but, I, but, I mean, but just pretend but, like i'm sitting there but they're in but it's just going to be like saying if they wanted okay when when you're watching a movie in the united states mm-hmm. that has movie or if you're in an english-speaking country and there's someone that doesn't speak english and there's no subtitles you're not supposed to know what they're saying I know, but at least you'd know what language it is. I have the captions on twenty four seven, no matter. Nah, what. they're French. Whatever. Okay. But the point is, I thought it was. I thought it was a. I haven't finished. I have thirteen mo- thirteen movies left. I have thirteen minutes <laughs> left for the movie. I've, I'll I'll go finish that tonight when I. Uh, yeah, when, let me know because I'll never see it. Well, I can't. I can't. My visual. I can't because that stuff terrifies. Like I don't have the ability to process those visuals. I, they get stuck in some part of my. You're a big weenie is what it is. But this is why, because information, I'm so visual as a thinker that when I, when I see images like those types of movies and they just burn this feeling into my soul, I can't get that visual out. If I can't get the visual out of my mind, I can't get the feeling out of my chest. And for me, that's, that's where my terror sits. Like that'll throw me off into, that will be anxiety for me. Like that is what my that's where I could get stuck. So I can't allow that input in because I can't process it. Okay. It just straight up terrifies me. But on a good note, did you notice or did you see the, um, speaking of pop minute, so to tag on, but you know, Johnny Depp coming through that whole, um, experience yeah, and regaining his mental health. Okay. Did you see that he, um, took some time and he painted these four, um, almost like headshots of famous actors in like an impressionist type. I think it's impressionist type. Pull it up. Um, he sold these four paintings for $3 million. And they they took some beautiful uh, photos of him. And I think uh, one of them, it's three, it was three male actors and a female. And they're stunning. Oh, it's, uh, who is that? It's Al Pacino. It's not an actor. That, that it's, well, it's Al Pacino. Right. Um, I can't tell. I think who one that of them is. was Adam Sandler. No, and then one of them is like a singer. Is that Bob Dylan? And then it looks like uh, who's that? Um, oh my God, what's her name? It's gonna drive me nuts. The, it should say right in the captions if you found the article. I'm just, I'm just look. No, it's just. Let's see. Anyways, it's just a stunning way. So I was really. Um, proud to see Johnny uh, turning to art and creativity because he is such an artist as who he is in his soul as a way to kind of process through all of the experiences he had. Oh, you know who that is? Who? Sorry. I want to say that's Elizabeth. Is that Elizabeth Taylor? But I can't. Oh, that might be. I'm looking. I think that might be. But, but I just, you know, you, you talked earlier about finding your joy and, you know, it's validating, of course, 
that they're they sold for three million dollars but he <laughs> johnny sat down as a way to reclaim his own joy and he decided to paint to try his hand at painting and these could have sucked and it didn't matter if they sucked or if they didn't matter if they were amazing he just sat down and said i'm gonna paint these and he put his heart and soul into them and he got his heart and soul back out of it and the whole experience was for himself as i understand i gotta it. say they're pretty good and then to be able to take that expression of his healing and then present it to the world, that's what makes something valuable is that it was this exchange between him and the canvas and his healing process. And and he wasn't painting them going, oh, I hope these are going to be good and someone buys them and that's what's going to make me feel happy, you know, because he wasn't doing it to do. He was painting these to be himself he was painting these to reconnect to who he be which is a creative you know artistic soulful person and that's what makes these so engaging and attractive and desirable i figured out who the person i didn't know who it was tell me who the four people are uh so i was right except for the third the the last person i didn't know who it was so it's al pacino Kay. bob dylan elizabeth taylor and Keith Richards was the other Keith one. Keith Richards. You right. said you you <laughs> looked at you thought that Bob Dylan was Adam Sandler. I don't know Bob Dylan really well. It's kind of my my parents. That's the only one that I can imagine that you looked at because yeah, he kind of does look like the wedding singer. Okay, that that is who I thought that was. Yeah, because like your mom's done a really good job of teaching you the culture and pop culture from her time. But remember, my parents were raised under a rock, so I didn't get all that from them. All right, that's funny. All right. Um, so go Johnny Depp. I'm proud of him. All right. Go Johnny Depp. Yeah. Why did my voice just get high? <laughs> that was weird. Are you out of wine? I am. Oh, well then we, we got to wrap up. I know. I guess we got to wrap up. All right. Um, sorry it took us so long to get back into it, but hopefully we will be COVID free next weekend. God, I hope. So we can get back to doing this every week. Yeah. Um, thank you for being patient with us. Thank it's you for being patient. Thank you for listening and keep listening and check out the website, which is what, Rochelle? Uh, you don't sound autistic.com and also check out the Facebook group. You don't sound autistic. YDSA. Thank you for listening. Keep listening. We'll be back. I'm Blake and I'm Rochelle and we'll talk to you soon.